Episode 22, A Look at the Smithereens. Welcome to a very special episode of POP. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. Today, I am joined by an esteemed panel of individuals. It is with some sadness that we bring this show to you because I kind of wanted to do a different show. I've always wanted to have Pat D'Annunzio and any of the members of the Smithereens here, and sadly, Pat will never be able to do that interview with us. Uh, That's what today's episode is about. It's going to be kind of low-key and just us talking about some of our favorite Smithereen moments, why we think you should be checking them out, and talk about Pat his life, and his art. Today on the show, we have From the Hustle podcast. It's John Lamoureux. Welcome to POP. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me, especially to talk about Pat. Yeah, definitely glad you're here. We also have returning Tim Powers from Deep Dish Radio and Hiram's Lodge, a Riverdale podcast. Welcome back, Tim. Thanks, Ken. It's good to be back. And last but not least, Rick Boucher returning from Rick's Records Podcast. Hey, Ken. Thanks for in, uh, inviting me in today to the conversation. Uh, looking forward to this. Unfortunately, uh, the topic matter is not that joyful, but we can all share some great stories uh, with Pat and his music today. Very good. Welcome back, sir. Glad to have you all here. So, Pat Denuzio has passed away he was the lead singer and basically the main lyrical force i would imagine of the smithereens would you say that that's fair to say john yeah i think jim babjack had a song or two maybe on each album i um i i will say that i don't think any of pat's songs would have been as special as they were without the support of just the other guys who are some of the best musicians out there right for sure and it takes a lot of great musicians to make a great song, so yeah. it all comes together. And here's a mega mix of why you should check out the Smithereens. I think that I could love you and I want to make you my girl. I want to live in Tracy's world. Darling, 
dryer as it's time for something new. I know it. I guess she's just a crazy mixed up kid. I will love you all my days. That's how it's got to be. I believe in the true love ways. Maria Elena. Well, you look at the band in total, right? You've got Mike on bass, just a fantastic player. And he was, if if anything, he was the cute one, right? If you were going <laughs> <laughs> to... Oh, go on, Ken. Tell us more. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is if, if you were going to have one of them in 16 Magazine, it would have been Mike. And right. there was times that you would see that represented in photo shoots and stuff like that. But it, this was, you know, they later had the nomenclature of America's band, right? Mm -hmm. And they really were in a lot of ways because they are everything from every eclectic thing you love about bands like the Beatles with the jangly guitars and everything and the stomp of even an ACDC. I mean, you, you, the, yeah. the song Girl Like You yeah. is an amazing mm -hmm. animal unto itself. Yeah, true. There's a lot of songs like that uh, that are yeah. just muscle, muscular, rock and roll in, in your face. Um, house that we used to live in. Yeah, you know, just uh, miles from nowhere. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I, one of my favorite songs by them is uh, William Wilson, which yeah. is just a, another one, just in your face with that guitar and then uh, you know Pat's vocal there. You're right though. Mike was kind of the cute one. Dennis was like the nerdy one. Jim was like. <laughs> the working class guy and pat was like this dark mysterious person yeah you know? jim was the muscle mm -hmm. he was gonna find a way to get it done and he did and dennis he was kind of like uh, to me he was almost like the band uh, historian or something mm -hmm. each one of these guys brought something special to the table yeah you know right now everybody's focus is on pat but damn what a great band
I'm going to go around the room and ask you to tell me your smithereen story or your pat story like how how it came to be with you we'll start out with you tim why don't you tell us how you first became aware of the smithereens you know uh here's a it's uh it's strange but it happened in uh, in 1986 when uh i as a as a 17 year old i was watching mtv and the uh and the blood and roses video came on and it was you know mtv in 86 was pretty much a vast wasteland full of novelty songs and hair and if you <laughs> some of us will will get this reference when you when you get that that one onion ring in your french fries and you're like oh this is interesting right <laughs> um it, it it really stood out and that song just uh, compressed on that little tiny monaural speaker on my parents' old RCA television, just grabbed me by the shirt collar and screamed in my face, this is the best modern music ever made. And I went out that afternoon, and I can even tell you the record store. It was Paradise Records on 5th Street in St. Charles, Missouri. And I, and I bought that album um, and played it uh, until I, th- I think I wore it out. As a matter of fact, and um, I mean, there are just loving classic rock the way that I do. It's not often that I get to hear new music that makes the hair on my arms stand up. Mm-hmm. And I remember Blood and Roses doing that to me. And then as I go cut by cut through Especially for You, every single song was just solid gold all the way through it. And I just I, I fell in love with the band at that point. And a few years later, I was program director at uh, at a college station when green thoughts came out and i got mm. to uh, I, I got to debut uh green thoughts i was the first jock to play uh, play green thoughts in the in the st louis area so that's uh that's my smithereen story and uh i've just i, I drank the kool-aid and i've been uh, been a fan ever since very good it's a very special song blood and roses rick boucher how did you become aware of the smithereens yeah, back in, uh, it was like 86, and uh, especially for you, it had just come out, and a guitar player that I was in a band with had the cassette, and, you know, at the time, like we've said, it, it was, you know, hair bands and wham, and there was not a lot of, I guess, quote-unquote, real rock and roll being made. And uh, I had joined this band that was playing classic rock and stuff, REM, kind of the college rock radio stuff, and a heavy dose of the smithereens. And I just fell in love with this stuff. I mean, it was um, Pat was writing some great stuff. Uh, there was you could hear the influence of the Who in Dennis's drumming. Some McCartney-esque bass lines from uh, Mike. Great guitar playing from Jim that, you know, hearkened to the Kinks and uh, Beatles, of course. And, and Pat's vocal there that you didn't have to hit a helium tank to sing his parts. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was meat and potatoes that was easily digestible. And playing those songs from that record... Green Thoughts came out, you know, uh, through all the Smithereens records, you know, and a a 30-year career playing music, um, 
you know, I've played those songs written by Pat hundreds and hundreds of times, sang them, and they never failed to get a dance floor going in a smoky dive on a Friday or Saturday night. So I, I you know, saw them live in the Green Tour, uh, Green Thoughts Tour back at the Student Union University of Florida, and they were just outstanding, just, you know, one song after the other one, and Pat just counting it off. One, two, three, four, boom. And then I got to see them this past January. Um, of course, Pat was dealing with some stuff. His arm, one arm, you know, really wasn't able to use. He had someone on stage that would bring him a drink and hold it with a straw so he could drink. You know, it, it was it was sad from the standpoint of the situation he was in. Myself being a disabled person, really connected with that in uh, on, on a lot of different levels uh, because I'm not able to perform anymore myself. But to see Pat out there on stage with that "Never Say Die" New Jersey blue collar work ethic just been fantastic. Even though uh, with all the adverse things he was going through, so it's you know uh, I was very sad on Tuesday when I saw that and shocked um, that he had passed because that's a voice in rock and roll that that won't be uh, replaced anytime soon. I don't think. And it's very distinctive as well, his voice. Yeah. He wrote in keys that were obtainable for any average Joe vocalist, if that makes any (laughs) sense. You know, like I say, you didn't have to be Daryl Hall to sing a Smithereen song. Some of the best music is some of the simplest. John Lamoureux, I know that you were a, a big Smithereens fan. Would you like to tell us about your Smithereens story? Sure. I came to them during Green Thoughts. I remember paying attention to MTV at the time. I I missed, especially for you, but when Only a Memory and House That We Used to Live In came on MTV, and I really liked those songs. They came through, I know I grew up in Salt Lake City, and bands just didn't come through Salt Lake City very often. And uh, I was probably 14, 15 years old when they did. Uh, It was Paul Kelly and the Messengers opening up for them, and Paul Kelly was amazing. Anyway, my friend and I went. My mom had to drop us off. I liked the show a lot, but I only knew two songs. And it was one of those experiences that I think I was maybe too young to really get the gravity of, you know, that this would eventually become one of my favorite bands. Uh So then for the next rest of the 1900s, probably, I just I remained more of like a greatest hits fan than a like I need to own every album, although I did buy 11 when it came out. But sometime around uh, the early 2000s, I finally picked up, especially for you in a CD store. It just got, it dug its hooks in me. The thing that I always think about, the reason I think I love the Smithereens as much as I do is because my love and and passion for them was raising during the period when they were the least active. Mm -hmm. And so the likelihood of them making new music or going out on tour or me ever seeing or being able to participate in my fandom was getting weaker and weaker by the day. And so here I finally stumbled on this band that means the world to me. I ha- I saw them when I was young and I didn't, and it's like I got the experience I wanted, but I was too young and immature to really appreciate what I even had. Wait a second. You were just a crazy mixed up kid. <laughs> That's it. That's what I was. And so thankfully though, the last, I've seen them three times in the last four years. So I was able to, you know, finally get some closure on that love and fandom. But I'm convinced that's why 
I love them as much as I do is because my it was out of desperation that this band that is now becoming my band is not active anymore. And I missed my chance to fully participate with them. And it, it ate at me daily until I was able finally to see them live. Well, my smithering story is kind of a weird one. I was in Ohio at the time, and there was a college radio station in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, right across the border, and they would play a lot of, you know, everything that a college radio plays. That's literally everything. You could have everything from jazz to blues to disco music, and then there's hair metal, and then all of a sudden, there's this alternative show, or what would become alternative music, right? Mm -hmm. And I heard a version of Blood and Roses and Behind the Wall of Sleep. I actually went to the radio station. I I would call in and say, who's that band? Who's that band? And and they said, hey, why don't you just come down, right? So... A friend took me down there, and we we sat, and believe it or not, I tried to find this this EP or single or whatever it was at record stores, and nobody could find it for me. This is before the, the album came out, and I don't know what it, exactly it was, but I just knew that I wanted it, and I actually was going to go on a mission to actually steal that record from the college radio station. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever stole records from a college radio. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. And I, I I held it, and I still didn't know what these guys looked like or anything, right? So I'm holding it, I'm looking at it, and I decided not to take it because then other people wouldn't be able to hear it, right? So I, I recorded it off the radio, and it, everything was cool, but some some time went, and I moved down to the Laurel, Maryland area, and MTV was a big thing. And one day, I heard that bass riff coming out of MTV, and it just blew my mind. I'm like, I know that. And it was so weird seeing them, you know what I'm saying? It was very strange, because... We don't remember the days that, like, you had to wait for somebody to come on TV, right? Like, for example, there are bands that never would have had a career had you instantly had to be on MTV. Like, for example, mm-hmm. Leo Sayre. Right. <laughs> I mean, he kind of looked like Richard Simmons. There was no way that if he would have been in the right. MTV era that he would have had a hit because he had the hit. <laughs> He had the hit before he wound up on the Dinah Shore show, right? Right. Or the Muppets, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) when I saw the Smithereens, they looked like working class dudes, except for Pat, who looked like he should have come out of a a Night Force comic book or something. Because he had that comb-over thing where he was doing with the the weird beatnik goatee, and he just looked otherworldly almost in that video. And I remember buying the album. And I was so thrilled, but as I listened to it, it was an intense experience because every song was semi-different than the last. And everything was a callback to almost everything I loved about music. I feel that like when they made Especially For You the first Smithereens album, it was a going for broke kind of thing. Where if they didn't get another chance, this was it. I could see that. 
Yeah, I would I would think so. I mean, because I know that they had a EP. Yeah. Out before that, called Beauty and Sadness, that mm-hmm. had uh, there was like five, four or five songs on there. But yeah, no, I, I I think you're right there. They they got their major label, you know, deal, and it was like, all right, we got to jump on this thing, or, or it's going to go bye bye. And these guys loved music. Not only that, they loved the same music that I did. And I think that each one of us can identify with that statement. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no question. And I mean, can you mention you mentioned the look too? And you know, on on top of the music just being so good. I mean, every single track on that album was good, but I remember the the Blood and Roses video, and um, one of the things that that stood out to me in 1986, you know, uh, it was it was the crew cuts and the hair gel and and everything, and I was a senior in high school, but one of the things that struck me was Babjack unapologetically wore sideburns, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. so did I at the time. You know, and I was I was in I was in Catholic school. We had to keep our hair short and everything like that. But and they were like, no facial hair. Um, but they <laughs> they let you wear uh, sideburns down to the bottom of your earlobe, wherever that may be. And so I like right until I was probably 40, uh, which wasn't that long ago. Uh, I wore sideburns <laughs> down to just as a <laughs> as a as a as the the single little rebellion to that Catholic school dress code that I had to deal with through the 80s all the way up until about five years ago. I, I you know, wore the wore those sideburns. But at the time it was, you know, nobody did it. There were only a handful of people who did. And I'm like, this guy, first of all, plays that incredible guitar it, that looks and sounds fantastic. And he had the sideburns and Denizio <laughs> we kind of had that like had kind of a weird Johnny Rivers kind of look and sound to him. And I'm like, this is what Johnny Rivers would sound like if he was good. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Tim, what song off of, especially for you, would you want people to check out? Oh my God. You got to start with blood and roses. It is. I mean, it's still today when I hear it. Um, I'm, I'm, Ken, literally, I'm talking about it, and the hair on my arm is standing up. It is that good. I could list every every cut on that album, but if you if you got to start with one, if you have just one shot, you go with Blood and Roses, and if you don't get it at that point, you never will.
But, I mean, you run the gamut from that to In a Lonely Place, which is on opposite sides of a musical spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. They're both fantastic. Uh, Pat and, and Suzanne Vega uh, just have such a really interesting harmony throughout that, you know? Mm-hmm. This song is one of my favorite songs of all time, and it, to me, shows the depth that their catalog could go. You've got the moody gloominess of Blood and Roses and the beautiful rock of Strangers When We Meet that's got that melancholy. But my two favorite mellow songs off of Especially For You are Cigarette and In a Lonely Place, which has background vocals by Susan Vega. And it is excellent. I'm going to play that right now. Yesterday it would have mattered Now today it 
John Lamoureux. Yes, sir. What did you think about the maturity of the level of songwriting on this album? You know, when you guys were talking a minute ago about kind of going for broke on a Mm -hmm. debut album, what I think is it's probably the case with a lot of debut albums by hyper-talented bands. This is an encapsulation of what they've been doing for however many years in the clubs and the pubs that got them signed in the first place. And so it's a, it's a, it's an encapsulation of what makes them so special and what people saw in them that put them on MTV and got them signed to record deals and all that kind of stuff. I think uh, my, my, the thing I keep going back to is just that no one sounds like Pat or the band. I, I, I feel, I want to clarify that every time I, I give praise to Pat. I'm spreading it around because there yes. would be no Pat if they if the other guys couldn't, you know, bring those ideas forward. But um, no one has ever sounded like Pat, despite him being so steeped in classics like the Birds or the Beatles or Black Sabbath, even or whatever. He had a way of expressing loneliness and heartbreak in such a dark but beautiful way that also was highly sentimental that no one else has ever been able to quite do. And it's maybe not a sound that, that resonates with everybody, that dark beauty, but if it, if it rings true to you, it's a, it's an addiction. It's a sound that is so perfect for what is going on in some of our souls that you just can't escape it. That's what I think of when I think of that first album. And my favorite song on that album is Alone at Midnight. Well, let's play that right now.
Rick Boucher, when you think of especially for you, what one track really jumps out at you? Well, that whole record is, it's hard to, to choose. For me, though, if I had to put one song on and go, here's something that's going to put you back in your chair or make you want to get up and dance is uh, time and time again. Uh, it's a very throwbackish 60s garage band rave up. The bass line and the guitar line that echoes the Beatles track Boys. It's just... Dennis clicking those sticks, one, two, three, four, and boom, and they're off and running. So that, for my money, I'm going with time and time again. Very good. Well, let's check it out time and time again off, especially for you.
so that's the introduction to the Smithereens, their first album. I think that we can all agree that if you want to start with the Smithereens, this is probably the best place to jump in. Would we all agree with that? No question. That and and Green Thoughts. I mean, they're they're both. It, it's almost like. Uh, if the production, of course, was similar, they're a little different in, in sound texturing, but it almost could be a double record. Mm-hmm. Uh, those first two, but uh, yeah. yeah, especially for you, it is is great. And then uh, you know, Green Thoughts comes out and, and it just takes it up another notch too. But especially for you, is is outstanding. I would agree. If we're talking individual albums, those first two are absolutely bulletproof. But and I've always said this, I think that they're one. Their single disc greatest hits package, Blown to Smithereens, is one of the most perfect, uh, you know, greatest hits packages you could ever ask for. However many track, there's 15 tracks or whatever on there, and each one is perfect, and it brings, you know, all the best from everything that they did there in the 80s and the early 90s. Uh, my personal feeling, if you were going to start um, to really get an overview of what the band's all about, you can't get better than this one perfect CD. Uh, but if you want to explore and go deeper, you can't miss with either of the first two albums. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that Blown to Smithereens Greatest Hits. What other band had the balls to cover Time Won't Let Me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And do it so well, man. Yeah. yeah, that's that's right in their wheelhouse, too. I mean, it's they've had a, a definite knack at covering some great stuff. You know, later on, they went into the, to the Beatles stuff and the Who stuff. But, uh, you know, Time Won't Let Me is outstanding and just, you know, great.
That's that's right in their wheelhouse too. I mean, it's it, it, uh, they've had a, a definite knack at covering some great stuff. You know, later on they went into the, to the Beatles stuff and the Who stuff, but uh, you know, Time Won't Let Me is outstanding. Just you know, great. Uh, their version of Shaking All Over. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. at the end they're just going crazy, and you hear Pat, you know, put it on, put it on the track. You know, and it's like chaos. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. The band would continue to go on and have several other albums come out. Their discography is not super huge, and it's kind of varied. And the band had a really good run up till, what, the late 90s, would you say? Probably. It started to, although Date with the Smithereens is a good album, it got largely ignored. And then it was a few years before God Save the Smithereens came out, which is also a good album. Not quite as good as those first few. Right. But then it sort of came to a halt, right. basically, after that. Well, they had a, a pretty good run from basically 86 up to 99. And then everything kind of, as things do, things run out of steam. But the band kind of took some time off. And Pat started doing some solo recordings. The band also came back later with some different kinds of albums. Like, for example, it would be Meet the Smithereens, which was a tribute to the Beatles covering the entire Meet the Beatles album, which to me is like a no-brainer. It's something that I love. One of the things I loved about the Smithereens is that they were some of the best parts of the Beatles, some of the best parts of the Monkees, some of the best parts of the Kinks, some of the best parts of the Who, all thrown together. The Smithereens were kind of like a band like Cheap Trick that I felt never really got its just due. And in a, in a way, those kitschy albums were a bit of a comeback for them. You know what I'm saying? John, what do you think of that? I actually hate those albums. I, ha- I have to admit, first and foremost, uh, part of that's my own issue. I'm, I'm not... I, I, I'm a big Beatles fan, but I don't get as excited about those early Meet the Beatles versions of the Beatles, like Love Me Do and everything. And at the time, hearing my favorite band, hearing from my favorite band and have it finally, and have it be a cover of Beatles tunes that aren't my favorite to begin with, was kind of heartbreaking for me, honestly. You've got one of the greatest songwriters ever, and because of label uh, uh, disinterest and maybe a little bit of writer's block that I also heard was going on at the time and maybe some other things, he we're not hearing what is on his mind. We're not hearing the songs that are in his soul. We're hearing his versions of old Beatles songs. I, uh, I actually kind of hate those albums. Wow. Uh, more because, yeah, I hate to say that, but more almost because of what they represent. I'm sure they're fun, but that's just those. In no situation would I go to those albums if I needed us to get my fix of the Smithereens. Mm. Now, to me, I'd take it as one way to keep the band going. It was yes. One way to keep the band's name out there 
because every once in a while they'd get played on radio like oh the christmas album with the smithereens or hey the beatles the, the entire first beatle album so it definitely did get attention like when they did the uh, entire tommy album right it's it's the same thing and so it, it kept the band noticed and it also mm-hmm. allowed pat to do what he wanted to do as a solo artist at the same time so it kept the band working and going on so I, I i don't fault those albums at all or their existence as a matter of fact i treasure them even more as a result mm. of what's just happened i mean who knew right yeah and it, it's sad because there's so many we take all of this for granted right well we take our own life for granted right tim well i i, I try not to uh i take uh you know i'm, I'm grateful for uh, a lot of things that that happen in in my life and uh and certainly you know the older i get the the more a gift uh every day is and the you know one of the things that i think unites the four of us and a lot of people listening is just our love of just great rock and roll right and i think that's why you know the four of us keep going back to these first two albums which John, I love you. The the phrase bulletproof is so perfect as a description of these two <laughs> albums. And then to watch, you know, a, a band that we love so much push in the clutch and kind of coast through a, a cover band of stuff mm-hmm. that we have, you know, accessible. If I mm-hmm. want to hear Love Me Do, I'm going to listen to John and Paul play it. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, or I'm going to go to any local bar within, you know, two or three miles of here and go hear the Beatles cover band of my area, you know, and, and they'll do a fine job live, um, you know, uh, playing these songs. What I think that the disappointment that a lot of us uh, have, and I can't speak for everybody, but certainly for me, uh, with these these tribute albums is the fact that, and this was touched on earlier, we miss the brilliant songwriting mm-hmm. of uh, of Pat and the band. Uh, the production is great. The musicianship is fantastic. The tributes are certainly heartfelt, and there's a lot of heart in all of these cover albums. But um, you know, uh, you know, yeah. do I, do I want to see do I want to see Da Vinci's Mona Lisa, or do I want to see you know my cousin Dave's Mona Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> perfectly said thank you yeah and here with the mix of songs and what i'm calling the tribute era is the smithereens doing some great cover versions close your eyes and i'll kiss you tomorrow i miss you remember i'll always be true and then while Same, but I'm too brave, it's plain to 
check out his solo work pat denunzio's solo work yeah actually kind of uh stumbled across through pat's website his uh his actually direct email address and was emailing with him back and forth a little bit and he was like hey, well here check these out and <laughs> cool. wow. you know Jeez. which was kind of neat you know because i thought oh, i'll send this email it's probably some person you know and it, and it was pat you know and he was, he did the record where it's uh, all him and piano, which, mm-hmm. you know, you want to talk melancholy and, and just, I mean, it's like, it's dark, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, just the mood, the mood and the, the, you really get a sense of being a fly on the wall kind of thing. And then again, I, I can remember at that time when those records were coming out and he was working on the solo stuff and this is a little bit off, but he was doing every Halloween, Pat would do a Halloween party at his house. Yes. Wow. And it was like, okay, we're going to, there's 90 people, 90 slots. And you come and you have, uh, it was like a muscatoli and spaghetti dinner, you know, in Pat's backyard. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, it was like a jam session if you want to come and play. And I always thought that was kind of cool. And it like went on for several years until it kind of got so large that they had moved it to like the local moose lodge or something, you know, uh, <laughs> and, but I can remember that. And then that's when Pat started doing the, uh, living room concerts and, uh, doing that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but you know, it, it's the, the solo stuff is really good. And his solo, the one solo record that is electric full band stuff, I almost consider it a smithereens record. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's agreed, you know, it, it's very much the, you can't have one without the other almost, you know? Um, yeah. The, the solo stuff is, 
is good. There's some, there's a good uh, handful of stuff there, but the uh, piano stuff, uh, and then he did part of it is also him and just acoustic guitar, uh, doing, you know, like what he was doing in the living room concert, uh, things he was doing. So it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, you're not going to be, uh, you know, dancing around the room by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but it's, it's something good on a, on a late night. If you're, you know, reading and you want something, you know, it's very mood, uh, something mm-hmm. chill, you know, early morning, you're having a cup of coffee and just want something there playing, you know, it's, uh, but, uh, it, it's definitely Pat and it's his personality and, and the, the, the darkness that I think all good songwriters, you know, uh, fight with, you know, there's all good a, artists. Yeah, there's yeah. a light, there's a light and a dark, definitely. Yeah. Well, Rick, you underestimate me thinking that I couldn't dance to his version of "For No One" or Wichita Lineman. So there you go. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> I really like his version of "Dreams" of Fleetwood Mac's "Dreams." It's, yeah. out, it's out there somewhere too. That's really mm-hmm. good too. And from Pat's solo albums, here is a mix of some of his covers and solo work. The day breaks. Your mind aches You find that all her words of kindness linger on When she no longer needs you She wakes up, she makes up She takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry She no longer needs you And in her eyes you see nothing no sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years oh. I am a lineman for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wine And the Wichita lineman Is still on the line Tell me how you feel Tell me love is real Words of love you Whisper soft and true Darling I love you Every day it's a getting faster Everyone to go ahead and ask her Love like yours will surely come my way Hey, hey, hey Every day seems a little longer Every way love's a little stronger Come what may to me, love along for 
talking about them covering the Beatles and, and the Who and stuff like that, I look at a lot of their music and the covers that they chose to do, and it's everything I love, right? And it's it's a very deep love there. I mean, like I mentioned, For No One by the Beatles, Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell, California Dream, and My Funny Valentine, Moon River. This is not what you're going to get from your local hair band or whatever. This is... right. This is some great stuff, great musicality, great sentimentality as well. I want to share a story that I told on Pop a little bit of, but I'm going to do it today. I wanted to see them while I lived in the Laurel, Maryland area. And it seemed like everywhere that I was, the smithereens had just been. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like I go out to Laurel, they were just there. I come back to Cleveland... And they were just there, and I'm in Pittsburgh, and they were just, so I was doing this thing where I was missing them all the time. And when the Green Thoughts album came out, they were in Cleveland at the Cleveland Agora, and I was there. And I had moved from Laurel, Maryland, which is a fairly you know larger city than Andover, Ohio. Let's put it that way, which is a lake community. And we were within driving distance of hitting Cleveland. And I was doing a lot of painting that summer. I was taking care of my grandmother who had Minasenia Gravis. I would do a lot of paintings while listening to the Smithereens. And I did three paintings. One was in a color of green, one was in a color of gold, and one was a black-themed uh, one. And they were paintings of Pat D'Annunzio. So mm. I remember my friend Branton Lewis and I, we, we went early to the Agora, and we're thinking, well, because we, we had done this before, we would help bands in and out of places, right? You just show up, and hey, you know, if anybody needs anything carried, we're here, and the weird thing was, is the Smithereens were their own people, right? And that just blew me away, because I'm thinking, like, this band's on MTV, and we're there waiting for them in the alley and they're like, Hey guys, what's up? And they were just really friendly, really cool guys. And we get everything unloaded and upload it. And, and they, they did have, you know, some people with them, but it was, they, they, they jumped right in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it wasn't some diva thing. And when things were quiet, I said, Pat, I've got something I'd like to give you. And I gave him one of the paintings. It was the black themed painting. And it was a painting of him. He didn't know what to, to make of it. And I said, I know it's weird. I know it's weird, but I want you to have this. And he said, no, man, I really dig this. And he, he, he went out of his way to make me feel like I wasn't a weirdo, right? Mm -hmm. But it was when I would sometimes paint or draw or sculpt something, it, I would spend a lot of time with it. 
and I, I was really into the smithereens that summer. And I gave it to him. And this was also the same show that Derek Anderson, who's the bass player of the, the Bangles, he was at mm-hmm. the same show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we recently talked about it. But at one point, once the concert started, and man, they were loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were loud and they slammed it out hard. It was great. At one point, Pat looks down and he sees me and he goes, hold on a second. He stopped everything, stopped the whole show, said, hold on a second. And he came over and kneeled down and he just placed a yellow guitar pick with his name on it in in the palm of my hand. And I'll never forget that. It was like he just stopped this whole show, not for like some chick that he thought was, you know, cute that he wanted to to hook up with, but for this, this guy. Now, how do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. I am kind of cute at times, but. Both of you have the Davy Jones stars in your eyes at the time. (laughs) But it was so cool that he, uh, took the time to do that and it was it was excellent and uh, I'll never forget it I was also lucky enough to see one of these living room shows I was invited by somebody and we had to drive across the state of Pennsylvania which is not as easy as you think and I was invited and that was something that I'll never forget but I have one weird thing that happened when Pat put out this is Pat Denunzio. Yeah. He was he was doing something like a Kickstarter before a Kickstarter, like you could order your album in advance. Mm-hmm. And I would email what I thought was a company, and it turned out it was Pat himself. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yep. he'd ask, what's your name? And he'd kind of get a few things. Who's your daddy? Yeah, what's your name? Who's your daddy? Is he, is rich? he rich like me? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like a month goes by, and I buy my album in advance. And it's my way of paying for the production of things, right? Right. So I get this envelope in the mail, and I Pat had, had signed something for me. The Smithereens had signed my Especially For You album. And... So I knew the handwriting, right? So I, I come home from work and I see this padded envelope, and I that looks like, and I, oh my gosh, that he actually wrote on this envelope, right? So I take it and I I, I go up the steps to my apartment and I open it up and there's the CD and he signed it to Ken, right? And I'm I'm this is just so awesomely cool. And I felt like in in touch, right? So I listen to it. I take it to work. I listen to it. I get home the next day. I open the mailbox up. And there's another envelope with similar handwriting. I take it up the stairs to the apartment. I open it up. It's the same CD signed to Ken. Ken, thank you. You know, this is Pat Denunzio. <laughs> so the third day goes by and I come home from work and there's another envelope from Pat Denunzio with that familiar, now now exceedingly familiar handwriting. And I open it up, and it's the same scene <laughs> to oh. Ken. Thank you for your support. Thank you for, you know, I hope you enjoy it, Pat. And I get on 
the computer and I email again what I think is a company and I said hi my name's Ken Mills I got three of the same CDs do you want me to send them back do you want me to pay for them how do you want to work this here's my phone number about a half an hour later the phone rings and it's Pat Denunzio oh wow and I'm like you know hello Ken this is Pat Denunzio it's like what (laughs) So, you owe me thirty dollars. <laughs> so I said, Pat. Uh, you know, he said. So I've sent you three CDs, and I go, Yeah. He said, Well, d- did you order three CDs? And I said, No, I only ordered one. You got three CDs, and I said, Yeah. There's a pause. Shit. <laughs> and i said i said i can send them back he says well unless i find somebody named ken that wants the cd i don't know what i'm gonna do with them right you might as well keep them (laughs) and he says what bothers me is who didn't i send a cd to that ordered one that is waiting and he was doing this all by himself yeah. So he told me to keep them, and one I donated to, you know, to raise uh, funds for cancer research. I donated that, and it, it sold. It was like fifty bucks for a nine ninety nine CD, right? So, but it was it was cool. So I still got the other two. <laughs> I thank Pat for that. <laughs> and uh, to me, I always felt like I was connected to these guys, even though I know that I wasn't. But we were yeah. connected by the one thing, and that's the music, right? Yeah. You know, recently I had reached out via Facebook to Jim Babjack, had contact with him and messaged him back and forth, and we're talking. And and this is what broke my heart. About a month ago, um, we're messaging back and forth on Facebook, and I said, well, hey, Jim, I would love to do an interview with you for the show. You know, let me know what time's good or, you know, whatever. I'm very flexible, whatever I got to do. Oh, sure, no problem. So he rates me back and he says, well, the best time for me would be between five and six. And I said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and and he says, that's when I'm in my car driving home from my job at the bank. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, you, you have sold, you had top 10 hits. You've toured the world. You've done all these things, you know? And uh, to hear that, you shouldn't be working in some bank in BFE, New Jersey, you know, and gigging on the weekend or whatever, you know, they were doing. And, you know, the business is the business and, and, you know, uh, it's called the music business for a reason. Yeah. Rick, if I, if I can follow up on that, I, I actually did talk to him during between five and six, Uh about six (laughs) weeks ago for my podcast, same exact thing. Um, I have been trying to, he said, he goes, I'm in the car driving home. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's the best time for him yeah so he uh yeah he works in manhattan and the job is almost more like data entry yeah Mm. and uh you know nothing against good honest work but it breaks my heart that the greatest guitarist ever has to work for a living and can't just live off being awesome you talk about the guitar playing and when i saw them last january here in in largo florida pat of course wasn't playing guitar wasn't able to and, and jimmy was just playing and what a just a forceful, you know, oh my God, Telecaster, Marshall, just ripping it. And it was like, 
watching them in that setting, I was like, at first I thought, you know, I'm gonna, you're gonna miss Pat's guitar and the other parts and the counterparts and the, and the different, you know, changes when Jimmy's playing the lead, the rhythm part underneath. But Jim was just on fire. It was like yeah. it wasn't necessary. You know, that that gaping hole that I thought in my mind that was going to be there wasn't. And as a three piece, they just killed, Yeah. you know, and, and I really walked away from that show thinking as Jim as is one of the most un, one of the most underrated guitar players in rock and roll. I mean, just yeah. just on fire. Killer. Yeah. Yeah. And as Rick mentioned, here's the Smithereens live from last January at BB Kings with Jim Babjack on all guitar duties with Pat kind of leading traffic, if you will. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're going to be missed, and and it, it's a sad thing to think that you know those guys. You know, you got to be wondering a little bit. I mean, I know they're they're going through this this maze this this huge loss, but them scratching their heads, going like, "What yeah, now? Yeah. What do we do?" I mean, because Mike just came back, you know. But Mike had just came back, and uh, you know, I know Dennis does a lot of stuff with a lot of different acts and and, and recording and things, and he was a major influence on me as as a, a drummer. You got to be thinking, these guys are thinking like, oh, God, Mm -hmm. what the hell do we do? (laughs) Where do we go from here? Some good news, I think, on that front. When I interviewed Jim, like I said, it was probably six or seven weeks ago. And not to self-promote, but especially in light of what just happened, I would would highly recommend if anyone's interested to go back and listen to that uh, episode because we touch on a lot of these things, these questions and concerns that we're talking about. Jim and I addressed them. One thing he mentioned in there, and it's not it's not enough to replace the smithereens, but he's good friends with a lot of guys out there like Marshall Crenshaw and right. uh, Glenn Tilbrook and Graham Parker and Wally Palmer of the Romantics. Right. And he had mentioned that he and Wally were possibly going to work on something or do something. He also alluded mm-hmm. to him having like three albums worth of material for solo stuff. Granted, none of this is going to bring the smithereens back. And mm-hmm. it arguably will even be enough for him to quit the day job. Right. But there is possibly an, some outlets there that might be vital. But hopefully it keeps right. him, you know, energized and excited. And uh, we get to, you know, still hear him a little bit. And I'm guessing if you're in a super group with guys like Wally Palmer and you go on tour, those guys are going to play some romantic songs and some sure. smithereen songs. And so there's hope out there, I think. Yeah. It's not that, what we're used to, but it's something. And and sadly, our heroes are starting to be picked off one by one. Yeah. Hell, we're starting to be picked off yeah. one by one. Let's be honest. Exactly. I, I think that we all live in denial about our own mortality along with uh, the artists and performers that we love. I mean, yeah. you take a look when someone dies on Facebook, people take it as a personal affront. But... Pat was a real person, and Jim works in the real world, and these are real people. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't Mm want to take anyone for granted. I don't want to take any days left that I have for granted. I don't want to take you guys for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's hard. You get wrapped up in your world, and, you know, you you get the blinders on sometimes, and you're going along, going along, going along, and, and and I know I'm guilty of it. You're, you're living day to day, you're managing your life and the things that are in it. And um, you get a blow to the belly like Pat was on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden it's like, holy shit. You know, uh, you know, the blessing that comes out here. of this, guys, the blessing that comes out of this is it gives you the opportunity to root through your bin and pull out 
these albums yeah. and, mm-hmm. and play them again and discover them again and remember where you were in 1986 and 1988 and, and yep. 2005 and, and just go, this was gold. And mm-hmm. it, it's still alive. It's still vibrant it's still everything that you discovered the first time you heard that baseline on blood and roses you know mm-hmm. and and you know we're gonna miss pat but the cool thing about all our heroes who have passed is that their music uh you know it, it's always there there's always something new to hear deep buried in the mix and right. and there's still that that visceral gut reaction from the very first time that you encountered it and that's um i mean that's the that's the silver lining in any of this we're gonna miss pat no question about it but man anytime that i can put on especially for you put on a set of cans and you know sit Mm. in my backyard and just go oh this is so good um you know i'm grateful for pat just if nothing else just for that yeah no that's well said i agree 100 percent with that it's it's something that's you you can't take the memories away. Uh, unfortunately, life takes the people away, but uh, you, you've got to be able to tap in and uh, remember and uh, never forget. And more importantly, share it. You know, I uh, Tuesday morning I came downstairs after reading the news, and uh, my daughter, who's eleven, um, she looked at me and she's like, "What's wrong, Dad? What's wrong?" And I said, "Well, I said Molly, one of my musical heroes." And a guy that I really, really liked, he died today, you know, and uh, she, well, who? And I, you know, told her who, you know, it was Pat from the Smithereens. And, oh, okay. She says, well, when I come home from school, can you play me some of their music? <laughs> you you know? buy that girl a car. Uh, buy that girl a car right I'm now. Like, I'm like, absolutely. I'm in me. Uh, you know, for my podcast on Tuesday, I'm doing a tribute show to Pat and, and the Smithereens and all their music. And so I sat with her here and I said, um, let's go through and listen to some stuff and you tell me the stuff that you really like too, you know? And so she helped me pick the playlist, um, for the songs, you know, stuff that spoke to her, uh, as an 11 year old girl that, you know, me as a 52 year old father was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I can hang with that one. That's a good choice, you know, and yeah. check this one out. This is one of my favorites. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's good music that lives on and will live on and, and, and can never be you know taken away from us. I want to know what cuts did Molly dig the most? She liked Tracy's World from the Beauty mm-hmm. and Sadness EP. Right. She picked out House That We Used to Live In, Top of the Pops, Evening Dress. Mm. She really liked that. That's great. It, it's things that, yeah, I was kind of like, guts. yeah, exactly. Blood and Roses. I was like, oh, what about that? And she's like, oh, that's kind of eerie. You know, <laughs> the way the baseline crawls in, you know, I said, Damn yeah, right it is. Sign that yeah. way. Give it's her four more years and she'll be like, play right? that Blood and Roses song again. Exactly. <laughs> so That's the know. best story that could come out of this, man. Jim Babjack, the guitarist of the Smithereens, recently called into WDHA Morning Jolt and spoke with Jim Monahan and John Hodovorich about Pat's untimely passing, some of his favorite memories of the Smithereens, and the legacy of their music. Check this out. Well, Jim, I wish we were talking under better circumstances as we still, you know, everybody's still in shock over Pat's passing the other night. How are you and the other guys in the band doing? Well, I mean, geez, we're still in shock and we're still waiting to hear what's going on because we're not really sure what happened, you know. Um, 
you know, there are rumors that he had a heart attack, but, uh, you know, he died on the way to the hospital, so we, we really don't know. Of course, we know he had health problems uh, for the past two years, because I, I think you were, you, you were at his 60th birthday party when that, we had that fundraiser. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was quite an event, and, and thank you. And you've been a supporter of the band from the beginning. Oh, uh, and I know Pat appreciated it, and we all we all appreciate it. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, uh, Jim, I've probably played from the demo that you guys did back late seventies or early eighties. Probably have had a chance to play just about everything you guys have ever recorded uh, at one time or another on the radio. I, you obviously know I'm a huge fan of your music. In fact, we were just talking a little earlier this morning about Pat telling me how excited you guys were when you got signed to Capitol Records because that was the label the Beatles were on, and what a thrill that was for you guys. Oh yeah, big big time, and Frank Sinatra and the Beach Boys, and you know. Uh, yeah, it was, and, and we insisted on getting that black label with the color wheel on it because um, they weren't doing that at the time. They were doing this purple label, mm-hmm. and uh, so they they they, uh, they granted us our wish. Do you have a favorite memory, a live show or oh, something like that, Jim? God, there there's so many, there's so many. But what what popped into my mind this morning is I have this little quirk. When it snows, sometimes I have the Help album by the Beatles in the car, and I'll put on Ticket to Ride. Because it reminds me of that scene in the movie where they're on the ski slope. Yes. So there's this thing with Pat. He used to say, we, Pat and I, and I don't know if you know Beatle Tom Franzioni, a friend of ours, we were asked to do this uh, acoustic set at Chase Stadium when it was the old Chase Stadium, uh, an acoustic set for autism. And Pat used to ask people, he said, you know the seven people that play Ticket to Ride at Chase Stadium? It was the four Beatles, me, Pat, Pat and Beatle Tom. Because <laughs> we threw that in. You know, we did a girl like you and Glenn uh, Roses and then Pat said, let's, let's do Ticket to Ride. It would be really cool. We're at Chase Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> How much unreleased material is there? I saw something in the, uh, in, I think it was the New York Times, Jim. We're talking to Jim Babchek of the Smithereens this morning here at 105.5 WDHA. They were talking about you guys were working on a new record. Yeah, yeah, we were. You know, our original bass player Mike, uh, you know, came in during the summer because we played the Wonder Bar down the shore. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was Memorial Day for two nights, and um, yeah, we started uh, working on some new stuff. But it, <clears throat> I, you know, I don't know what's going to become of it. You know, I, I, I uh, too soon, too soon to tell. You know, this is all so fresh. I'm still pretty numb. I might sound like, you know, I'm. Well, you know, you know how it is. You know, there was so, one post I saw, Jim, of Pat's. It was on his Facebook page. And Pat and I never really talked a whole lot about his spirituality or anything like that. But I knew that he had been raised Catholic. Um, I had been, as you were, at his dad's funeral at uh, the Catholic Church in Scotch Plains. And he put this beautiful post up about the church and living across the street from it. And coming just a couple of days before his death, it had almost an eerie quality to it. It did, it did, and I, and I don't know if he knew that uh, he was getting ready to, uh, to, to move on, but um, it, it, it does, it did strike me kind of strange, too, but on the other hand, he also posted that, you know, we had some shows coming up in New York at B.B. King's and then um, in Philly, uh, and, um, you know, he, he was saying how he's looking forward to uh, seeing everybody again, and, and he's feeling better, so... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I visit him, you know, every week um, and to see how he was doing. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he was getting better.
And one of the other cool things, Jim, was the return of Mike, the original bass player, Mike Mazaros, for a, a number yeah. of shows, which um, brought the band full circle, I thought, and so many fans were so jazzed about it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Mike, you know, whatever was going on, uh, the reasons why he left to raise a family or, you know, whatnot, you know, you you were there. My, my wife passed away from pancreatic cancer, um, and that's when Mike gave me a call, and he says, you know what, life is short. Let's get back together and uh, do a few shows, and uh, that's pretty much how it came about. And you know what, it was like it was like a an old shoe. I, I mean, we, we barely rehearsed, and it just it was like yesterday. Well, Jim, I think I speak for the entire WDHA audience when I pass our condolences on to you and the other band members of the passing of Pat, and I thank you for spending some time with us this morning here on the DHA Morning Jolt. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and I uh, hope I, I see you guys soon. It's a shame that we, and we're going to miss Pat and uh, the music he made, but time can't take it away if we, if we uh, let it live and, and all of us going forward. 
So thankful for all those long nights of Rickenbacker slamming into the darkness and against the night. Yeah. We'd like to thank each and every one of you here today. We'd like to thank everyone that's listening. You are a limited collector's edition. You only have so much time. Make the most of it. You are as special as anything that you buy. In fact, even more. We're going to go around the room and let these folks tell you where they can be found. Tim Powers, where can folks find you? DeepDishRadio.com is my interview show where I have had guests uh, like Bobby Hart and P.F. Sloan and members of the Firesign Theater. And uh, we talk for, gosh, well over an hour a lot of times uh, about just what's going on in, in their universe. And uh, it's it's kind of a, let's call it NPR's fresh air for the rock and roll set. Rick Boucher from Rick's Records Podcast. Please tell folks where you can be found. Yeah, you can check out Rick's Records Podcast on iTunes and subscribe there. Check us out. There's a Facebook page, Rick's Records Podcast. All the episodes that are there as well. So check that out. And uh, we do all hooky, melodic, power pop, rock and roll. Uh, we've had some interviews. I've had Mike Skill from the Romantics on the show, uh, interview with Bill Lloyd, uh, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band. So we do artist spotlight shows uh, usually on Thursdays uh, where we'll highlight a certain artist. Uh, Tuesdays is usually a hodgepodge just mix, usually about an hour and a half uh, of um, music. So check it out, and uh, I appreciate all the support. No problem. Glad you're with us. And Mr. John Lamro from The Hustle. Let folks know where you can be found. You can find us on iTunes or any other podcatcher there is. I always tell people that the focus of the podcast is what is the emotional, psychological, and financial impact of brief rock stardom. And so we seek out people who, you know, had a moment. Maybe they put out an album or they had a one hit or they, you know, they were big there for a little while and it's kind of dropped off. And how do you feel about those transitions in your life? And then, you know, give me your best stories. We've recently, like I said, we had Jim from the Smithereens on recently. We had Lowell Tolhurst of The Cure. Uh, this summer, we had Dave Gregory of XTC, Gilson Levis of Squeeze. We had Fee Waybill of The Tubes on, and Marshall Crenshaw. So there's, I, my recommendation is always to go into the archive, see if there's bands or names you recognize that you love. Start there, and if you like what you hear, then check out some of the others. We put out new episodes every Tuesday. I particularly enjoyed the Stu Cook from Creed's Clearwater mm. Revival episode. and That was probably our best one of the year, I would yeah, say. It was yep. really good. So check out these shows wherever fine podcasts are stole or downloaded. <laughs> <laughs> steal me. Yeah, Whatever. steal me. Exactly. Yes. Steal this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to go back to sitting on my bedroom floor and we're going to listen to some Smithereens records. So we barely scratched the surface. We hope that something in what we said today was good enough to make you search out the band's catalog or maybe even Pat's solo work. God bless the Smithereens. And that's our show. Pop is an online, non-profit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. 
If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick. Where's your mutt merch? Mutt merch makes you and your dog rock gods with shirts like Bones and Noses, Black Lab, and more. Go to muttmerch.com for all the details. For those about to bark, we we salute you. Muttmerch.com. Hey, popheads. We know you love the hottest pop culture podcast, Pop. Now tell the world. Get your own pop swag, t-shirts, miniskirts, mugs, tote bags, and more at redbubble.com. Just search for Designs by Ken, all one word. And remember, you can get your own free pop button from Christine the Button Queen. Simply pay $3 shipping and handling for each button via PayPal at zilchorders at gmail.com. Find us on the web at poppodcast.blogspot.com, on iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts can be heard. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pop podcast and like us on Twitter at popstafftweets.